Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Grove Collaborative. They deliver all of your favorite natural home and personal care products right to your door so you can have a greener, cleaner, and less errand-filled new year. Plus, when you sign up at grove.co slash YHL, you get a bunch of freebies that we'll tell you about later in the episode. Again, that's grove.co slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Can organizing really make you a happier person, a more patient partner, and a more present parent? Today we talk to an expert who makes the case for that. Plus, how driving a moving truck into a ditch eight years ago is impacting our duplex progress. Well, what a big week we were supposed to have at the duplex last week. Yeah, it just was all going to line up so nicely. And three big things were going to happen all at the same time. We were going to rent a huge truck, fill it with furniture, drive it over the bridge out to the duplex, unload a ton of things like beds, rugs, mattresses, just like the things that will make this house look like a home. And on top of that, we were also on the very same trip. We were going to get our counters templated and our appliances installed. So the kitchen would be coming together at the same time too. It was very exciting for me. Yes, this was all scheduled for January 8th. So right after the last episode came out, we actually, I think, referenced in that episode that it was all happening. Well, right after we recorded that episode, we got a call from the appliance manufacturer. We had ordered all of our appliances through Home Depot, but we got a call from the manufacturer saying, hey, they discontinued your washer and dryer model. But good news, we are gonna give you the newer model for the same cost. So you're getting a better, more improved washer and dryer for the same price. Oh, but hey, bad news, it's gonna take an extra week to deliver them. So nothing's coming till January 15th. So like Sherry was saying, we had all these things lined up for that day, January 8th, where we were gonna get those appliances, We are going to have the counter templater come across the bridge as well because there's no stone countertop companies out on the eastern shore. Right. Everybody travels over the bridge. And we were all going to descend over the bridge at the same time and take care of business. Yes. It was going to be a productive day. It was. Until that phone call. Yes. And John was like the good cop and I was like the bad cop. Like I was like, well, we live hours away and we already arranged a bunch of things to happen on the 8th. There's no way that you can get them delivered on the 8th. And she was like, sorry, ma'am, 15th. No amount of me being a strong female lead was <laughs> on this phone call was going to get her to wiggle because it just wasn't possible. And I was actually very grateful when we looked up the new models. They look great. They're just the newer, shinier versions of yep. the last year models, which we purchased in November, which is why we got the deal. And I love that we still got the deal and they gave us the newer models. That never happens. Yeah. Well, and the other silver lining to this was that that January 8th date was becoming a bit of a rush. Like we had a lot to do in terms of not just getting a truck, packing a truck, but we also had two dining tables we were going to try to refinish before we brought them out to the duplex. So that gave us more time to accomplish some tasks. And we called the countertop company and they were able to reschedule their templating for the 15th. And I guess just for anyone who doesn't know the countertop process, you have to have someone come out first to actually measure and figure out the shape of your countertops. That's what the templating process is. So they can go back and cut your stone to the right size and then they'll come back later and install it. So the good news is even though templating got pushed back a week, they're still able to keep their original install date. So we still should have counters, knock on wood, by the end of the month. And you might be thinking, okay, no big deal. What's this long story about? You're just moving everything back a week. But then 
we saw the forecast. <laughs> yeah. So So now they're calling for snow and icy mix when we're supposed to be driving a huge truck over the bridge. So now the new, new plan, remember the new plan was to move it back a week. The new, new plan is we might move it up a few days and have to take two trips now if there is this big storm. Because the last time John drove a truck in a storm, he was in a ditch and he'd hit the yeah. mailbox. <laughs> yeah, if you guys have been following us for long enough, you know when we moved out of our first house, we left in a snowstorm. And I didn't even make it out of the driveway of our house. <laughs> Wait, I have to replay the phone call because it's like the funniest phone call I got in my life. John called and he said, okay, I'm starting the truck. It's snowing really badly, but I'm going to go really slow. And I said, John, just please go as slow as you need to. I really don't want you to end up in a ditch. And he was like, okay, I love you. I'm going to go slow. And he hung up the phone. And while the phone was still in my hand, it rang again. And he said, I'm in a ditch. And I said, ha ha ha, you're so funny. Because it literally had not been 20 seconds. And he was like, no, I'm not kidding. And I took out the mailbox. And so we had to like call the realtors, a whole big thing. I was so conscious of not going off the road and front of me, I took the turn out of our driveway a little too tight and hit the mailbox on my way into the ditch next to our driveway in the house that had just had this final walkthrough that we were selling. Right. So So they almost stopped closing, which was a disaster because we were doing what's called a domino closing, which means you close on the house you're selling right before you buy the next house within an hour or two and the funds have to like go flying through the system and they were going to hold our funds for the mailbox. And we finally got our closing attorney to fight and say like, please don't hold this over a mailbox. Of course we're going to repair the mailbox. And by like the skin of our teeth, the closing went through. It was exciting. It was. But the point of that is we're watching the weather because if there's any indication that it's not going to be safe to drive in, I don't want to take that chance. With all this stuff, guys, like it would be a disaster if that truck got mashed up because it's literally full of like everything we need in the duplex and have been spending our money on and has been filling our garage, by the way. So for anyone who thinks our house is like clean and organized and when you see a picture on Instagram, you're like, how do you keep your house so clean? I'm going to put a picture or maybe even a video in the show notes of our garage because it has never looked crazier. There are giant sofas still in their packaging because we're like, don't unpackage them because they're going to be stored in the garage until they're in the truck and then we're going to unload them at the duplex. These are the sofas you may remember that we purchased at the same time we purchased the sofa that you're sitting on right now in our living room in November 2017. It's 2019. So when John's saying we bought something in 2017, how funny is it that it's been that long and they held it the entire time? Yeah, they actually, Crate and Barrel just delivered them a week ago. They have been holding them in their warehouse for us very graciously this whole time. So we had them delivered to our house here in Richmond, and we are going to load them on that truck to take out to the duplex. Wait, but there needs to be some backstory. Why would we buy sofas in 2017 for a duplex we were renovating? They said they'd hold them a really long time, and there was the most insane deal. It was like $699 for these $1,600 Crate and Barrel sofas, of which we purchased one and loved it. And the funny thing is, since then, we've designed sofas. Like, it was so long ago. It was before we designed sofas. And people were like, oh, are you going to put your sofas in the duplex? And I'm like, well, (laughs) many years ago, (laughs) we ordered these Crate and Barrel sofas. And to be fair to them, we love our sofa in our house, the Crate and Barrel sofa. It's very comfortable. Super high quality. So we kept the order in. And the funny thing is, we're actually going to use one of our sofas from our lines at the Pink House. Because the car Stad, you guys all know and love, well, if you followed for a while, you've known and loved, is eight years old. We had it in our second house. We've had it in our third house. We've had it at the beach house for over a year. 
And I feel like he had a good run. Yeah. He's been great for us. I love him. He's been through a lot. <laughs> yes, we love him, but we do love the sofas we designed more, and we think it will fit in that space better. Because we purchased him originally as a giant sectional for the giant living room in our second house. And we adapted him to fit in our living room here for a time, and we've adapted him to fit in the beach house living room. But it's not perfect. So I think it's time to move on. Yeah, it'll be nice. But anyway, what's going to be in that truck, as I mentioned, is going to be a whole lot of stuff. And then another truck later will come with some other things from our furniture line that we will be using in the duplex. And it will also have the sofa for at the pink house. Yes. So there's a whole lot going on that we're coordinating. There's a whole lot that we're spending. We spent over $1,000 on blinds because there's a lot of windows when there's two houses stuck together. I know. I mean, I know we mentioned this last week that there's all these silly things that you don't think about in a house. Like the toilet paper holders is always my example. But like the blinds and the curtain rods and the curtain rings. Like those things just add up so much that I am really ready to be done spending money on the duplex. Yeah. It's like I can't wait to get to the point where we're just buying little accessories instead of duplicates in a quantity of like 20 plus. Like when you order the hardware for the kitchen, it's like over 20 things that you order. And when you order the blinds, you're ordering so many windows. When you order the rods, you're so many curtain rods. Even the shower rods, it's like, oh my gosh, we have multiple sides and multiple bathrooms. I just thought about the kitchens, like buying all the utensils and the pots and pans. Yeah. It'll be fine. We can do it. It will be fine. But actually, speaking of duplicates of things and organizing a kitchen, I think that's a great segue to our phone call today because you know a lot of us. Okay, this is Sherry from the future and with John from the future. And we're interrupting those cute, naive Sherry and John from the past because there has been a development. Mere minutes after recording this segment for the podcast, we got a phone call that the appliances got delayed another week. So it was the third date they'd given us, each time scooting it back, back, back. And we just kind of lost our minds. Well, we had already moved everything to the 15th. And now they were saying because of one of the appliances being back ordered, it was the 22nd now. And we tried moving things again and we couldn't. So we were kind of like, we don't want to go out there all these times to receive things separately. We had lined things up so nicely. But the good news is, you probably saw me on Instagram. I was like, oh my gosh, if anyone knows anyone at Whirlpool, I need some help with the delivery. And we got through to someone who was amazing, so helpful. They got everyone on the same page. They figured out that nothing was actually missing. Everything was there. And it might have indefinitely been delayed had this person not gotten involved. So we're so happy. It was like a weird glitch of showing things not being there, but they were there. So now they're coming on the 15th, which is amazing. You need to knock on all the wood right now. Okay, listen, I'm doing it. Oh, you knocked my microphone over. (laughs) So I think it's going to all be fine. By the time you hear this, we will hopefully be receiving them the day after, right? The Tuesday after this goes live we'll be receiving them look on instagram make sure i'm breathing make sure everything's going okay if there's an odd silence that day you know why it's just us (laughs) exploding into little particles of dust never to be seen again right but we wanted to jump in and make that update but now i think we should return back to our regularly recorded episode yes peace out from the future back to john and share from the past I think that's a great segue to our phone call today because, you know, a lot of us this time of year are focused on organization and simplifying, and we're going to give a call to Stephanie Sikora from Life Made Simple. It's probably easiest to describe what she does as professional organizing, but as you'll hear, she's about more than just like filing and color coding and making your spaces look pretty. 
Hello. Hi, Stephanie. Hello. How are you? We are doing great. Thank you so much for taking time with us today. I know that a lot of what you do is around organizing, but you don't necessarily consider yourself a professional organizer. So why don't you start off by describing for everyone what you do? I like to think of myself more as like a systems consultant, and I focus a lot more on systems because I think organization in a traditional sense has been seen as creating a perfect space. And I really look at how things function. And when I work with people and even in my own home, really focusing on the behaviors and the flow of that home and really work with them to create systems that make things simpler and and more efficient. So it's not about creating a perfect space. I think it's a bonus if it looks really cute and we try to make it look like that. So we enjoy it. Um, But it's really about creating a space that flows and works well for, you know, for that family and for that individual. Yeah, I think one thing we've realized in our own home is that, like, you see all the pictures on Pinterest that really inspire you to get organized because there's, like, color coding and labels and, like, all the same boxes. But at the end of the day, it has to work for your particular household and, like, how your own brain likes to keep things organized. So it can be the prettiest thing in the world, but if it doesn't actually work, what's the point? Absolutely. And I think a lot of people reach out to me because they've tried things. You know, they're like, I saw this, I bought these bins, I did this, and it just keeps falling apart. And it's because they're really focused on the aesthetics and not the functionality of it. So it's really diving in to figure out what's working, what's not working. How do you utilize the space? What's the goal of the space? And, you know, getting real about what happens in your entryway. Do people just drop their stuff here? Okay, well, let's, let's work with that, you know, because we can put the prettiest bin and the best label, but that's not going to motivate a five-year-old or even a 40-year-old man to put their shoes in there if it's not um, really taking into consideration those habits and behaviors. And I realize we're like getting right deep into the organizing But I I wanted to ask about your background because I feel like it's so interesting how you came to this profession that you do now because you used to work in healthcare, right? Yeah, I was in healthcare for 15 years. And so how did that turn into this? So when I started in healthcare, I was on the clinical side. So I'm actually um, an exercise physiologist by training. So I worked in cardiac care for many years and then started doing some administrative work, which involved uh, process improvement is what it's called. And that's looking at uh, physical spaces and also like patient flow and identifying um, where is there opportunity for efficiencies. So I would look at, you know, operating rooms or exam rooms and where are things placed and how can we, you know, create more efficiencies, eliminate steps. And so I learned a lot about, you know, really optimizing spaces and flows and all those kind of things that I bring into the work that I do now. And how could someone maybe apply that to their everyday lives or their home? Because they might say like, well, my house is in an operating room, so I don't see how that could help. I'm not doing many surgeries at my house. (laughs) Well, that's funny because I talk to a lot of moms and I'm like, you know what? It's just like healthcare. At the end of the day, we're just trying to keep people alive, right? Right. That's true. And, you know, actually, I say the kitchen is just like an operating room. You know, there's knives. Luckily, not any blood. Hopefully not. But, you know, it's set up where you have various stations. So the kitchen is a space I love because we utilize it so much. And there's so many opportunities to create efficiencies in our time. And so looking at just like we did in the OR, it's like when you're doing a certain, you know, let's say procedure or activity in the kitchen, are you cooking? Are you preparing breakfast? Are you preparing lunch? Are you putting dishes away? And when you're in that zone or that station, like what do you need? And is it all accessible to you? So like when I'm making dinner or making my kids lunches, you know, I don't want to be running all around the kitchen. I want to get it done and move on to the next thing because our world is getting so busy and we have, you know, just a a finite amount of energy each day and we don't want to waste it on, you know, activities like that. We want to conserve it for what's really important. So I think there's a lot of similarities. 
Yeah, actually, you saying the stations thing is so poignant because I think a way long time ago on this podcast, we mentioned we made one tiny change in the kitchen and it made things so much easier. And it was putting a Sharpie in the drawer with the bags. Yes. Because when we make lunches for our kids, we have to label one snack for our son. That's the way they do it at his preschool. And we used to run all the way across the kitchen to the junk drawer to get the Sharpie every day. And then we were like, oh my gosh, put a Sharpie in the drawer. It's right next to the bag. And it literally makes it so much easier, even though it's, what, saving us five steps, but it's just cumulative. Cumulative, like over the time that we make lunches all the time, it saves us that step. And it just makes us feel kind of on top of things, which mm-hmm. is a nice feeling to have when you're doing something you just don't like to do. At least you feel like you're doing it the most efficient way possible. We're the same way. We have a preschooler. We got to label everything because in the morning, like five seconds can feel like an hour sometimes, depending on how your morning's going. And I should add, like, I think you were mentioning recently, Sherry, that you shared your closet and how, you know, you had a minimal wardrobe, which was fabulous. And I was watching the video. And if you recall that one, Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That video. I loved it. And then I watched you. You're like, here are my clothes. And then I go out here and here are some more of my clothes. And I go over to this dresser and here's like my undergarments. So I was like, wait, you go to three different places to get dressed. So I was like, no, girl, you put that all together. You stand in one place and get dressed. I know. I really want to renovate our closet and make like drawers in there and a whole system. Right now, as it stands, John gets dressed completely in the closet. I get dressed mostly out of the closet and then I go in there to get like a jacket or something. Right now, I'm the most efficient dresser in the closet. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, but I'm. I'm with you. I want everything together. I tell John every day, we've lived five years like this and I'm ready to have everything together. Oh, that's exciting. Well, because you talk a lot about how the physical decluttering of a space or organizing of a space has impacts like on our actual brains, like the way that our brains see our house and how we actually have like a mental lightness. Yeah. And, you know, I can tell my own story where I felt like, what's wrong with me? Why does the cluttered countertop make me feel anxious or stressed? I could just see how I would show up differently, depending on how clean my kitchen was. And there's a lot of studies out there now, and they confirm that like cluttered environments trigger a stress response in our brain. So the same thing as when, you know, in the caveman era, when we were chased by a saber toothed tiger or a bear, you know, it's creating that same stress response. And I said, when I get funding, I'm going to do my own study and show how a clear countertop is just as effective as like a meditation or gratitude exercise and how it really does quiet the stress response and wake up that part of the brain that allows us to be more present and calm and creative. So yeah, I think it's helped a lot of people to understand why they react in certain environments. That connection is really interesting between how your space looks to how you are acting towards others. I think especially this time of year when people are making resolutions and like they want to be more patient or they want to tell their loved ones they love them more. Like if your resolution is not, I'm going to be more organized or I'm going to keep my house cleaner, but you want to, you know, be kinder or talk more gently with your children when you're upset, you know, whatever those things are that maybe a way to get there is to focus on something concrete, like keeping your house more organized. Absolutely. And there's so many different behavior change models out there. And at the foundation of all those is environment. And so if you want to change a certain behavior, you start with your environment. And I always tell people, I'm like, you want to make one small change, clear your countertop each night, and you'll be amazed how your day starts differently. Well, you talk in your book about a three-step process that people can take. Why don't you describe that for everyone? Yeah, so the three-step process is simplify, systematize, and sustain. So really paring down you know, the number of items in that given space you're focusing on and creating systems. So that's really about everything having a home in that space and a home that makes it easy to find, easy to put away and makes, you know, creates efficiencies. It just makes your life easier. Um, And then the last one is sustain because often people think it's a one and done project. You know, if you're going to focus on a space, like say your entryway, for example, you know, continually being intentional about what you're bringing into that space 
Um, cause you've done all the work to let go of some things and, you know, pare down and then to just bring more stuff in, will take you right back to where you are. Um, and then the system it really reevaluating from time to time how this system is working. So in the entryway, you know, it's, is it ski season? Is it swim season? So I need to adjust our system. I need to bring down the swim stuff, put up the ski stuff. So thinking about it as this continual process, um, will help you from getting back into that overwhelmed state. And I get the question all the time about like kids toys, you know, what should I do to organize my toys? Should I put them all in separate little bins? Should I do all these little things? And I'm like, you know what I do? I like put them in a, a bin for my kid and I close the bin because that makes me happy and it's easy and my kids can do it. I'm like, I've tried the whole like separate figures and separate bins and separate colors. And I'm like, that is not sustainable. So when I open it, is it like, you know, Pinterest worthy? No, but it works for us. So letting go of that expectation that it has to look perfect. It's really about how does it function for you? And does it make your day simpler? Yeah, what I've discovered is I am more frustrated. Like the brain drain comes from when I see a toy they never play with, but they dumped on the floor to get to another toy. Uh That frustrates me more than any sort of unmatching bin or basket scenario. Right. And then also thinking about, like you said, if they have to dig through stuff to get to what they want, but adjusting that bin, like maybe a deeper, shallower bin, you know, if that makes sense, like it's long, but it's shallow so that they can see what they need and they're not digging through stuff. So looking at how do we adjust that system so that they can get to what they need easily, even after you pare down. While we've been talking, I've been thinking a lot about the knife drawer in our kitchen. I don't know if it's because we talked earlier about the kitchen being like a surgical suite, but I was looking at our knife drawer, which is very convenient. And we actually, when we renovated our kitchen, we put little boxes to wrangle on the knives and stuff, but it has become a mess. And there are probably 15 knives in there that we don't use. Mm-hmm. And There's favorite knife and all the other extra knives. Right. <laughs> really, like I use probably one knife to do most things. And so I don't know why I have all these excess knives. And I was thinking I should go and get rid of these because if I have less stuff in here, if I simplify it, then it will be easier to like put them back in the place they go so that when I need a knife, I can reach in and just like grab the one I want rather than having to like find it under the can opener and the ice cream scoop and all the other stuff that ends up tossed in there. What's, what do you think has been holding you back from letting go of the knives? Well, I think it's this idea of like, well, I might need more than one knife. Like mm-hmm. what if I'm what if I'm cutting with both hands? Like, <laughs> <laughs> What if we lose favorite knife? What will we do? Right. Like I, I don't really know why because there are like four of the exact same knife. I don't know, you talk yourself into all the scenarios where you need stuff, but like, I don't use them 99% of the time. Exactly. And like you said, like fear and guilt are the two common things that hold people back from letting go. It's fearful of what if I need this or just in case and the guilt of if someone gave it to you or whatever. And I think once you start letting go of stuff, what I've seen in my own life and with other people, they're like, wow, like I've gotten rid of a lot and I haven't really missed anything. And so you feel more confident in letting go of stuff. I think Sherry and I have fully bought into the sort of power of putting these systems in and keeping keeping things simple and organized. But I know there are probably some people listening who are thinking either like, no, that's not my problem. Or like, I actually had a teacher in high school who was like, no, I work better when my desk is messy. Like when I have piles everywhere, this is how I'm efficient. For any people who think they're not a candidate to make this improvement in their life, like what can they look for to say like, you know what, maybe I should take a second look at this space and think what I can do differently. You know, you bring up an interesting point that at the simplest level, we all have a desire for order as humans. And even people who have piles, there's a sense of order in those piles. 
if you're noticing that, gosh, I'm always agitated when I'm in this space. When I walk into my closet, I get stressed trying to look for clothes or, you know, in my office, I can't focus. So I start working at the kitchen counter is what I notice a lot of people doing. And so they might say, oh, no, my office doesn't bother me, but well, why aren't you working in there? So just really stepping back into heightening that awareness of how is that space making you feel? And say this person is standing in their office and they've identified it, like this room makes me feel bad. What would be a good place to start? Like, should they run to the store and buy baskets and bins? Should they- Burn it all. (laughs) (laughs) Like rearrange the furniture. If you were standing there with a client and they were like, this is the space I need your help with, what would you guys do? I would say start small, start with one pile. And I would also say, do not go to the store and buy bins because bins are great if there's a system that they're supporting. And often people buy them thinking they're going to solve their problem, but all it really does is exacerbate the problem. And so if you're in your office and it's super cluttered, I would say pick one pile and just start there, really just paring down because you can't build a system until you know really, you know, what you have. And that's why that simplifying is that first step. And so just starting small, start with one pile and you'll be like, oh my God, this feels amazing. And it'll help you to keep going. And what if someone is at this point in the organizing process where they recognize there are items they don't use every day, but they're not quite ready to get rid of them? Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of different things people can do is, yeah, box them up and like date them. And I say, put a reminder in your calendar and be like, and then go find the box when it alerts you. And if you haven't used them, let them go. Or I had a client once actually, she put things high up in her kitchen. Because I always say organized spaces based on frequency. And those things used most frequent have them very easy to reach and then least frequent going out, um, out and up where you have to kind of climb to get to them. Um, you can do that in your kitchen. If you're like, I'm not ready to let go of this, but I don't know how I, if I use it often, put it on the top shelf. And in six months, if those things are up there and you haven't moved them down to use them, then that's your signal to let them go. That's such a good tip just on its own. Like think about the prime real estate in your kitchen that's right where you always are and it's eye level or easy to grab. And that should be the stuff you use the most. Absolutely. And that's the question I always ask people. So once we've pared down things, then it's always like, how frequently do you use this? How frequently? How frequently? I'm always asking. And that helps us to determine okay, where should we put this? And what would you say to people? I always ask this of organizing experts because it's a personal challenge John and I have. We have like problem areas that don't sustain. Like we will clean the garage and we will spend hours or a weekend doing it and we will get it to exactly where we want it. But just based on like what we do, which is fix up tables or renovate houses, we recollect things like a table we need to sand down and stain ends up in there and then kids stuff ends up in there and it just sort of like creeps back to being just as awful as it was before the weekend cleanup. What is our problem? Why can't we keep this place under control? Well, garages are tough. I mean, they say they're like the new junk drawer and things just kind of land there. And once we just start setting stuff in a certain spot, it almost like attracts other things. So like countertops or in the garage, if we just start setting stuff, like our garage is the same thing. My husband just throws things on the bottom shelf. And so then everyone just throws things on the bottom shelf and it drives me crazy. But it literally like clutter attracts clutter. And I define clutter as just something that's kind of tossed somewhere, you know? And so, yeah, so I would say it's probably, you know, is there an opportunity? to adjust the system and then are things you know are things just collecting other things i think what stephanie is saying cherry is that i should move the recycling bin closer to the door so you no longer just throw empty boxes (laughs) into the garage for me to deal with at some point my advice in my marriage that my husband hates the most is i launch boxes i don't want to break down into the garage because he takes great joy in breaking them down i don't it's my gift to you so if it were not at the far end of the garage maybe they would go right into the recycling bin and not just be in limbo for me to deal with. Well, they need to be broken down by someone who likes doing that. Baby steps. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We'll make sure in the show notes, we put links to all your stuff so people can check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Talk to you later. Bye. 
So if you guys want to check out more from Stephanie, we'll put a link in the show notes to her website, Life Made Simple, and her new book, Simplified. On her website, you'll find she also has like e-courses and she does both virtual and in-person consultations. So if you want a little bit more hands-on help, she's got that as well. And next up, we have We're Digging. First, we have to take a break, but you're going to want to stick around for what I'm digging at least. Maybe not John's. John's very boring. Just kidding. I don't Mm. even know what John's. So-so. But mine is very otherworldly, and I've spent hours in this other world, and I need to talk about it. So if last week's sponsor was all about finding more money in your life, this one's all about finding more time. It's Grove Collaborative, and you've probably heard us tell you before how they're great for crossing off some errands off your to-do list by sending your favorite natural home and personal care products right to your door. Yeah, so we're talking about everything from like multi-surface cleaners, laundry detergents, paper towels, baby wipes, all that stuff. Don't forget beard oil. It just got more. John is obsessed with beard oil. And that's the thing. You can order things as you need them. You can also set up reoccurring shipments so you don't have to worry about running out of shampoo or vitamins or toilet paper or beard oil if you're John. Well, and there's tons of brands that you'll recognize like Method, 7th Generation, Times of Maine, Burt's Bees. Plus, Grove even sells their exclusive line of cleaners and cleaning accessories. Like, they've got these really good-looking tray organizers and these reusable glass spray bottles, too. Yes. Speaking of which, if you sign up now at grove.co slash YHL, that's .co, not .com, they're going to send you a free gift with your first order. It'll include three Mrs. Myers cleaners and whatever scent you want. A set of Grove walnut scrubber sponges will also be thrown in there, and there's going to be this cute little tin cleaning caddy that I'm always enamored with. Yeah, so again, if you're looking to streamline your shopping this year or maybe just green up your cleaning routine, check out Grove Collaborative and you'll get all those freebies when you sign up at grove.co slash YHL. Again, that's grove.co slash YHL. What I'm digging this week, I never thought my mouth would form these words, but I'm digging a book that's about fairies. Okay, so it's actually a young adult series, and it's called A Court of Thorns and Roses. That's the first book. The second book is A Court of Mist and Fury, and I'm now well into the third book, which is A Court of Wings and Ruin. I just got to say, after I shared that I love YA and I had been reading The Selection maybe a year ago, and I'll put links to that in the show notes. I loved that series. It was a four, I think it was three or four book series. I thought it was five or something. It was fantastic. I mean, thousands of pages, and I loved it. And people started saying, if you love that series of these like sort of, I mean, I don't know, otherworldly is my weird description of it, but it's like fantasy, right? But it's like young adult fantasy. And there's, it's definitely not young, young adult. Like I do not recommend these books for like a 13 year old. This is no Ramona and Beezus. (laughs) No, no. This is like, there's some adult stuff going on and there's major conflict and there's, there's romance that I wouldn't recommend for young, young kids, but it's kind of like. Twilight, right? right? There's like romance and kind of adult themes. But anyway, A Court of Thorns and Roses kept coming up. Like I'd be talking about the selection and people would be like, I liked the selection, but I loved A Court of Thorns and Roses. So I've been meaning to get into this series for a long time. It's only three books, but they're fat. They are massive books. I'm a good 1,200 pages into the series and I probably still have 400 to go. And I adore them. The author is Sarah Mass, M-A-A-S. I hope I'm saying that right. Moss. Moss. I don't know. And um, she actually was in high school when she started writing these. Really? That's the word on the street. That's what someone told me. They said, give the first book a chance because she was in high school when she wrote it. And by the second book, you'll be hooked. And I loved the first book. I was like, why are people dissing the first book? Then I got to the second book. Guys, the second book might be the best book I've ever read my whole life. Wow. It's, it's, 
fantastic. It had me on the edge of my seat. You need seat. to address the fairy thing, though. Okay, so so get past this description because I'm not going to do it justice. But essentially, there's a girl named Feyre, and she's out hunting in the woods. This is not a spoiler. This all happens within the first, like, 10 minutes of the first book. And she shoots an animal that looks like a wolf, but it's actually a fairy. <laughs> and then she gets in trouble because the fairies don't like being shot. Is it a were-fairy? It's kind of. That's what it is. It's a little bit. Actually, the first book is sort of reminiscent of Beauty and the Beast, but in a much more grown-up light. Okay. And there are so many interesting twists, and it's much more sophisticated than when you say it's a girl who accidentally shoots a fairy. Like, there's all these worlds, and it's kind of in the vein of if you guys like... The Hunger Games. (laughs) No. No, no, no. Yeah, Game of Thrones, which we love. You know how there's the worlds, and you're like, oh, there's something happening in this world, and at the same time, something else is happening in this world. And there's, you know, like interesting fantasy things, like they have interesting skills, which as a kid, I always loved superheroes with interesting skills. Like, show me the person who can like bend people's minds or bend time or be in two places at once. So all of these players have supernatural skills, and it sounds kind of childish as I say it, but when when I'm reading it, it's just this wonderful escape. It's very fun. It's playful. It gets serious. I can't stop talking about it. We got to get on to my we're digging. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes, but I, I'm obsessed with it. You can only follow up fantasy fairy talk with <laughs> showerheads. That's what you're digging. I forgot. Yes. I am digging a specific kind of showerhead because we recently had to replace a showerhead at the beach house because we do have hard water out there and it had just gotten actually kind of clogged by the hard water because it's the shower that doesn't get used as often as the other two. And I know what you're going to tell me before I get the DMs. Oh, yeah. Soak it in vinegar. That will get the hard water out. Try some baking soda. I tried all the online remedies. It's hard to describe, but it was in the neck of the shower, not the little modules where the water sprays out. Modules, modules. Uh, The holes. The holes. (laughs) It wasn't a little hole problem. It was a big neck problem. And I did my best, but it was literally like (laughs) falling apart. It was like corroding in there. So we had to get rid of it. Yeah, we tried a few things. It was not a very expensive shower head to begin with, so it was not a big deal to replace it. And I told Sherry when we went to get a new one that I really wanted to get a Delta H2O kinetic shower head like the one we have here in our house. I should disclaimer that Delta has been a sponsor of the podcast in the past. And you've heard about these in the context of an ad that was, I think, over a year ago. They haven't been a sponsor in a while. Right. They don't know we're talking about this. And John is just a shower head diva in his own right. Well, we got one of these shower heads before they were a sponsor as well. And the thing with this H2O kinetic technology, as we learned is that they have something inside that kind of makes the water come out in a subtle S pattern. It's like wavy. So the water shoots out in kind of an undulation instead yeah. of a straight spout. And you can't really detect it that much with your eyes. It's like it's it's a subtle thing that makes the water spray with more pressure, but using less water. And I have noticed the difference between the shower head that we have here at home that has the technology versus the ones we put in at the beach house that don't have them. And the one here feels much nicer. Like the pressure feels better. And so I told Sherry, if we're replacing that one at the beach house, I want to buy one that has that H2O kinetic technology. So 
We, by coincidence, were across the bridge over New Year's when this was all happening, popped into the home improvement store, and I found one on the clearance shelf that we grabbed. I was going to link to it in the show notes, but I think it's been discontinued, which is why it was probably on clearance. But the point is not get this specific showerhead that we found because Delta puts this technology in a lot of different showerheads, like the one we have here at our house is different than the one I just put in at the beach house, and they're both great. So you can get something that suits your needs. Like they have some that are just plain showerheads. They have some that have the detachable body sprayer. My digging is this H2O Kinetic technology because I feel like it really does make for a better shower experience. So in the show notes, I will put a link to some that have it so you can see what we're talking about. Uh, so if you're in the market for a new shower head or you've been dissatisfied with the one that you have in terms of the coverage, I highly recommend these because I think going forward, it's probably what I'm going to try to use anywhere we put in a shower. And as someone who loves a scalding shower, this feels like you're getting more water on your body because it's kind of undulating and covering more. Like the coverage actually feels like more water. And I feel even hotter, which I love. That's my superpower. Hot showers. I don't think that really benefits anyone but you. I mean, I could kill a villain if they stepped in and tried to murder me while I was showering. They'd just melt behind me. If you happen to be attacked in the shower, you could just crank up the heat and they burned it out. I mean, it's already cranked up. You know this because you've gone in after me and I hear your scream from a mile away. I am the villain in this scenario. You are the villain. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And thanks to all of you who are subscribed to our email newsletter. If you're not, it's totally free and it's like a bonus blog post that comes to your inbox each week with a quick project, tip, or even a sneak peek that we haven't shared anywhere else. So if you're interested, you can sign up at younghouselove.com slash newsletter. And keep telling us what you do while you listen. Like Cheyenne on Instagram who listened during broken arm surgery. She couldn't go all the way under because she's pregnant, so she said they numbed her arm up and she got to listen to our podcast as a distraction throughout the surgery. Maybe our tagline should be Young House Love has a podcast. A great distraction from your medical procedure. Good for dental appointments and beyond. And check out the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast to see all the photos, links, and info from this episode. Like links to those shower heads I'm digging and a peek at all that stuff in our garage just waiting to go to the duplex and a picture of our moving truck just sitting in a ditch eight years ago bye i am digging a specific kind of shower head because we recently had to replace (coughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) came out of nowhere it did that's my fairy superpower sneeze at any moment